At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. It's a bright, warm, enjoyable day. The sun is shining, the birds are singing, and school is out for the summer. The kids are all out at the playground, staying active and staying healthy. A friendly game of dodgeball breaks out amongst the kids of all ages. It is there that we find both Izuku and Ben throwing the ball around. But we all know what happens next on a hot day with a ball smashing faces and an argument breaks out amongst the kids. Shouts become pushes and these two find themselves locked in a schoolyard brawl that absolutely no one was prepared for. It's Shonen versus Shonen. It's Tennyson versus Midiora. It's Ben 10 versus Deku. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comic, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ray Stacanus. In today's episode, we have a battle that will easily qualify as another classic episode of Who Would Win. In one corner, you have Deku, a fairly recent character creation who has already climbed to the top of the anime and manga popularity charts versus Ben 10, one of Cartoon Network's greatest creations from the early 2000s. As usual, I did the patented Who Would Win Google test just to see how many times this match has been discussed, and uh, yeah, wow. This battle has been discussed an insane amount of times. Really? Millions upon millions of times. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it doesn't really surprise me, but it's never been actually taken to a conclusion. Just people arguing about it back and forth. So now is the time for a clear winner to be decided. Of course, we have to do that who would win style. Ray, what are your thoughts on today's matchup? I'm always excited about these matchups. Now, I'm going to absolutely walk in the door by saying when these two names were discussed in the boardroom, every other person involved was high-fiving. I know, James, you were you were high-fiving oh, people. I was producers uh, uh, everybody involved in the production was super excited we came up with this matchup for these two combatants and i'm the one sitting there within like in the corner of the room like that one meme nobody knows that i don't know who either of these characters are <laughs> so i'm taking a chance with this one i'm not that familiar with ben 10 i'm not that familiar with deku i've never seen an episode of either before this battle was announced and so we have, there's a lot to work with here, though. Ben 10 is a phenomenal character. Deku seems like he's got a lot going on for him, but obviously he's not as good as Ben 10. I'll tell you why in just a little bit. But Ben 10 is the kind of character that there is so much to do. This is, even though it's an American creation, I referred to him in the intro as a shonen, because that's basically what he is. There are like 230 Absolutely. episodes of this show. And of course, I watched every <laughs> single one of them before we recorded this episode. You know, Ray, I do remember that look that came over your face. I recognized it when we announced these, uh, this battle, and I saw that you didn't really have that much familiar familiarity with either one. Now you know how I feel when all of a sudden the whole team's like, hey, here's this great video game character, the high fives, the congratulations, everything goes, and I'm just kind of like, you don't normally take the video game character, so it's okay. Thank God. Yeah. We're going to have fun. We're going to have fun with this one. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it's going to be great. Now, Ray, the, the show, you know, we've been saying this before, it, it's growing. We're getting great advertiser sponsors. Really you know, are. everything's going really well with the show. And uh, we're kind of, I hate to say it, we're getting used to the finer things in life. And this week, at the end of this week, anyway, we're celebrating the Super Bowl here in Los Angeles. We are. We had a company reach out to us. We are, right? And a company a company reached out to us and offered us Super Bowl tickets oh, seriously? in the form of a package that we could buy from them. But they're, they're VIP packages. I wanted to kind of see what you thought. These are actual – all joking aside, these these are legit offers that were sent to who would win for Super Bowl Sunday great. Uh, some great tickets. All Love right. It. So the first package is what's called the Perch Suite. Okay. It's a private suite, a really big box. You get eight tickets. It includes uh, a food and drink package. Right. We, we like food and drinks. That's pretty cool. I'm a fan of it's both. Got TVs, plural, right? Private restrooms. Why they need more than one, I'm not sure. Tables and chairs, in case we want to have a table and chair, you know, kind of pro wrestling thing happen. The total cost, this is great, what a steal, is just a mere $315,000. Now, hold on. That does, however, include all taxes and fees. Ray, what do you think of that option? I mean, it sounds fantastic, but the fact that you're opening up with it means I bet there's a better one to follow. There is. So if that, you know, you know, you find like, hey, I'd like to spend more on my Super Bowl tickets, there is another option. It's called package number two. It's the patio suite. Hmm. So it's like a patio, I guess. It's a private suite. You get 24 tickets. Wow. Includes a food and drink package, TVs, private restrooms, tables, and chairs. And this one, uh, a little bit more, just costs $725,000. And it does include all taxes and fees. Great. So there is a savings that way. What do you think about uh, package number two? I really, really like this package offer. I feel at the end of the day, look... <laughs> My quarterback, Matthew Stafford, is in the Super Bowl with not my team, but it's become my team, the L.A. Rams. I'm very excited. Sure. This sounds like a real baller way to watch the big game, but I have a feeling there's a third option because everything comes in threes. 
There oh, is a third option. Uh, it's a little bit different. Yeah. Okay, so option number three, we go to my friend's uh, Rick's place. Rick's a great guy. He's got a barbecue, some good food, drinks, a big screen TV, a couple of really nice couches mm. in his living room. Mm. The total cost of that is $25 each, but here's the catch. It does not include all taxes and fees. Oh. So, you know, weigh the pros and cons. Figure out, Ray, which which option are we going with for the Super Bowl? Where, where How is who would win doing the Super Bowl this weekend? Not going to lie. That third one feels like a little bit of a letdown compared to the first two. But you said that these people were emailing <laughs> you offers, which to me means it's free. People finally respect the who would win show enough to throw six-figure yeah. gifts at us. I say let's take the $725,000 patio seating at the Super Bowl. I'm prepared to pay nothing for it and go and enjoy the big game on the big day. I'll let James, let's let's lock it in right now. Let's get those free uh, sweets. Got it. Okay, so I it's not actually free. We do have to pay for it, but you know, I, I use some great math skills. I figured out a way for us to work. As long as we get, I believe it's a hundred and fifty thousand, possibly two hundred thousand, uh, five dollar Patreon or patrons in the next two days. We're going to the Super Bowl. We're getting that seven hundred twenty-five thousand uh, dollars uh, suite. So cross your fingers. Okay, you know, tell your friends. Everybody. Sign up for Patreon. Yeah. Five bucks. We're going to the Super you Bowl. You heard it at home. Patreon.com slash Who Would Win Show for five dollars. That's you right. You could potentially send Ray to the Super Bowl. I don't know how every person and every person who's ever met every person who's listening to this right now doesn't jump. Doesn't just just type. They jump out of their chairs, out of their cars as they're driving. I don't know how things work. Get to a computer, sign up for Patreon. I want things. Well, the two things I'll take from that, Ray, is that, um, you know, we could offer just a a $725,000 option on Patreon. We just need one person to sign that. Just need one. one. And secondly, you'd go by yourself for the Who Would Win show. You wouldn't bring the producers. I'm not invited. You'd take 24 tickets yourself and just hang out by yourself at the Super Bowl. Is that correct? Do you know how committed you have to be to change chairs over 24 (laughs) chairs just to ensure that you get full use out of the suite by yourself? James... For the show, I am prepared to make that level of commitment. (sighs) All I'll say is, Ray, I think you and I are really are, you know, ready for the finer things in life. Speaking of the finer things in life, it's time to introduce our next judge, making another appearance on the Who Would Win show. It's podcaster extraordinaire and fan favorite of the Legion of Audience. Of course, I'm talking about the one and only Robert Clark Chan. Robert, welcome back to Who Would Win. Option four. The both of you dress up like hot dogs, sneak in the uh, uh, the food truck, and just wait. Just wait until halftime, pop out of the hot dog tray as they're opening it up to give somebody a hot dog, free Super Bowl. I'll be honest, I like this plan. I like this plan a lot. I've thought good this plan. out. I've thought this out. Look, I've had a hot dog costume that fits me here for at least nine or ten years now. Finally, it's day in the sun has arrived. <laughs> See, uh, uh, that, that's my uh, uh, that's what I do. I, I look at what we have, and then I figure out how to make it work yeah. for us. I love it. I love it. I'm in. Now, Robert, uh, you do a couple of great podcasts we've mentioned before, but they are worth mentioning. And please tell the Legion of Audience about your two amazing shows. Knowing is half the podcast is definitely something you should get on board. Uh, we uh, watch old cartoons and, uh, and sort of take a look at them from a modern perspective. Sometimes they hold up, and most of the time they don't. They really don't. <laughs> oh, God, they do not. It is. <sighs> anyway, I'm sorry. 
I have some emotional <laughs> scars. Uh, we've been doing the show for quite some time, so it, um, it sometimes hurts. Sometimes hurts. Also, AE Doubleback is a show I do uh, where we uh, watch uh, AEW Dynamite on a weekly basis and uh, uh, have a chat about it. So, you know, if that's your thing, you should absolutely check that out. You know, I've been meaning to ask you this for a while. When you do Knowing is Half the Podcast, and again, I love two-thirds of the uh, hosts on that show. Sure. What, what, or first of all, have you guys done the Super Friends? We have not. No, no, no. Oh. It's on the list. Oh, you want to come on? You want to okay. guest? I want to put a request Friends? in. All right. I'll talk to my is people. It again? I'll talk to my people. Yes, please. I'll talk to the uh, uh, talk to your people. The uh, knowing is half the podcast brain trust, which is me, is, Gina, and Ray. It's, it's just a very me. small brain trust. You're going to ask me, can James come on the show? <laughs> and I'm going to say what I always say: No. <laughs> there are some there are some roadblocks, but I think uh, not insurmountable. I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but some people, some of the uh, hosts of that show, uh, don't particularly want you on. That's fair. I've heard it before. And uh, I just feel bad for right now. More importantly, what was that name of that wrestler who wears the jeans? Orange Cassidy. That's that's my favorite. He's that is delight. my favorite wrestler right there. I've I... been trying to pull off his moves <laughs> in sparring. Not even close. I kick someone lightly, whatever. I just get smashed. Someday, Robert, I will pull off those moves. Yes. No, I have faith in <laughs> you. Crazy. I believe that you will. Thank you. Well, thank you. Now, listen, you're coming back to the show. Again, the fans, the Legion of Audience love having you on because you just bring this great comedic, uh, you know, timing with this wisdom, with, uh, you know, your knowledge, with how much you don't like Ray, and you wrap it into this nice package that everyone loves to do. I can't wait for you to get your, your teeth into this battle. So, Ray, we've got you, you got me, we got Ben 10, we got Deku. We've got the most amazing show I think we've done all week. Ray, with that said, please do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing Cartoon Network, the kid hero who never stops to think, huh, whatever happened to Ben's one through nine? Ben 10. And representing My Hero Academia, the hero who might be great and have a huge following, but I've got no use for him at all, Deku. What? <laughs> Linguistics jokes that... are the best jokes. Look it up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well done right now. Before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a who would win match. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the who would win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the, ca- the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. So, Ray, there's been a whole bunch of different versions of Ben 10. There's live action. I know there's been some reboots of the character. What version of Ben 10 are you using today? Like I'm using the Cartoon Network Ben 10 version of Ben 10. I think it would be crazy to try to like branch out too far because there's so much there to use by itself. So, Ben 10 from the Cartoon Network show. Got it. Okay, so I am going to be using... I really had two choices. It's anime... Manga, I'm going with the anime version of Deku from uh, My Hero Academia. All right, rule number four. Debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, and weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but will be given less weight. Rule number five. The winner of the debate is whomever the judge decides is the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal. Here's a new part. And where no attack or threat can be made for at least two minutes. Yeah, we said it. Rule number six. The judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. Feel free to check out the official rules on our website, whowouldwinshow.com. 
And before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Who Would Win store to get your very own Who Would Win merchandise and accessories. Go to the Who Would Win Facebook page. Get your hands on some of the Who Would Win merch we have today. By the way, it's time to celebrate the Who Would Win Patron of the Week. Every week, we choose one of our amazing members of the Who Would Win Show Patreon community and put them in a battle. So, Ray, which patron do we have today, and what is their battle? Today, we have Eric Lehman. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. He is a Patreon patron, uh, patreon.com slash Who Would Win Show. James, who is Eric facing today? Oh, he's facing Iron Man. Iron Man versus Eric. Now, what people don't know about Eric Lehman is that he is an electronics genius on par, if not exceeding the level of Tony Stark. So as soon as Iron Man has his suit, he's probably going to have, let's be honest, a couple of drinks in him. He's going to be very overconfident because Eric's not wearing a suit of any kind until Eric pulls out his special power glove fashioned after the Nintendo Entertainment System power glove that has a special EMP charge into it shoots it at Iron Man, doesn't get out of the way because his reflexes, as I said before, maybe a little behind, gets hit by the EMP, <laughs> goes down. Eric walks over and gives an Orange Cassidy kick to Iron Man to win this fight. You know what, Ray? I don't say this often. I think that's brilliant. I think you're absolutely correct. Eric Lehman's clearly demonstrated his genius, uh, you know, on the Facebook Who Would Win group and definitely on the uh, Patreon, uh, Who Would Win Show's Patreon. I agree 100% with your outcome. Eric, you are awesome. Remember, for all of our, all of our amazing uh, patrons, you too can become a celebrated patron of the week. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash show, sign up, and you may be featured in an upcoming episode of Who Would Win. We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. In this life, it pays to zig when everyone else is zagging. Movement saw a stagnant marketplace for watches and accessories and changed it with their unbelievable prices on some pretty classy stuff. You know, by now I love my Astro Blue watch. I wear it when I want to look good. 
When we do live Who Would Win shows again in 2023, I guarantee I will be wearing my Astro Blue watch. And you know what time of year it is. Get something classy for your loved ones and don't break your bank to do it. Be the good gifter with movement. During their seasonal sale, get a special discount just in time for the holidays. Join the movement today at MVMT.com. That's MVMT.com. Join the movement. And now, let's get to the tale of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details for Ben 10. Ben 10 is a normal kid with the power to turn into aliens because of a device he wears on his wrist. He was created by Man of Action and first appeared in the show Ben 10 back in 2005. Ben Tennyson was your average American kid on a road trip he wanted to forget. Finding a mysterious watch, Ben found himself able to transform into 10 different aliens, each with their own power sets. Since then, he's added alien DNA to the device, further enhancing his own power, and he's also upgraded the device, leading to enhanced forms of the aliens on top of everything else. Fun fact, the cast list of Ben 10 is a veritable who's who of the voiceover business, but playing the role of Ben himself is none other than Tara Strong. Now, for those who don't know, Tara has played many iconic characters, but none more so than Harley Quinn in Batman the Animated Series. In fact, her performance is so strong that it's credited with making Harley such a big deal and opening the door for her live-action treatment starring Margot Robbie. But it should also be mentioned that Tara appears on the Baby Shark TV show as part of the duo Bait and Switch, partnered with Who Would Win Show Judge Rama Valuri. Good job, everyone. And that is Ben 10. <laughs> Bait and Switch. Okay. I got to watch names. this. Great okay, names. now here are the details. For- <laughs> Here are the details for Deku. Deku, a.k.a. Midori Azuku, was created by Kohei Horikoshi and first appeared in the manga My Hero Academia No. 1, Azuku Midoriya Origin, back in July 7th of 2014. Azuku learned very early in his life that the world was unfair. When 80% of the population is born with superpowers called quirks and he didn't have one, he knew becoming a hero would be hard. Years of bullying and hardships paid off, however, when he met the world's greatest hero, All Might. After impressing him enough by attempting to save his friend, really his bully, Bakugou, from where no one else would, he got told that he had what it takes to become a true hero. All Might passed on his quirk to him, granting him his strength, speed, durability, and the ability to save others. Deku needs to go through the UA Academy, learning how to master this insane strength and become a hero worthy of becoming the next symbol of peace, which is a big deal in the uh, My Hero Academia universe. And here's an interesting fact about My Hero Academia. Did you know that some fans suspect that one of the characters from the popular anime and manga was inspired by a character from Avatar The Last Airbender? It's true, maybe. Kohei Horikoshi introduced a lot of original concepts in his now famous anime. And look, no one is saying that he downright stole the idea for the popular character Todoroki from another source. However, maybe he was slightly influenced by one. So here's the deal. Several of the key elements in Todoroki's history, for instance, his pyrokinetic powers, his abusive father, the burn scar caused by a parent that rests above his left eye. Hmm. Those are all the same things present in the character of Zuko of Avatar The Last Airbender. Like seriously, you put both of them together. They're very, very similar. Again, I'm not saying anything was taken inappropriately from one character to another. 
Although it's interesting that the Avatar series ended in 2008, the same year that the first manga featuring Deku, which led to Todoroki and the rest of My Hero Academia, also came out. Again, I'm sure it's just one big coincidence, and that's all it was. And now you have the facts on both opponents. Robert, do you have any questions before we get started? Uh, I was under the impression that uh, he had taken Todoroki from My Neighbor Totoro. Mm. Am I wrong as the shape and the wood spirit? Is that not? Here's the thing. I wouldn't be surprised there was some influence there, but when you hold okay. Todoroki, when you put Todoroki and uh, Zuki together, right? Uh-huh. The right. burn on the left side of their face, almost like mm-hmm. the shape is similar too. the powers, the backstory of the dad being kind of not cool. So There's you're saying Prince Zuko, elements. Prince Zuko is taken yes. from my neighbor Totoro and Todoroki was taken from Prince Zuko. This is what you're saying definitively. I'm neither confirming nor denying any of this. But yes, I'm putting possibly. it in the wiki. I'm putting it in the wiki right now. <laughs> uh, also, I'm very excited that I am now one degree removed from Bubbles of the Powerpuff Girls. Thank you, Rama. You are you are a golden god. <laughs> I love it. All right, Ray. This is going to be a Titanic battle. I can't wait. You've won a billion matches in a row. So I'm winning this one. I'm getting serious right now. Here's sure the deal. Are. Let's hear it. Bring up. Bring us your point number one. Point number one for Ben 10. Let's just break down the basics of what he is and what he can do and some of his basic forms. Now, he wears something called the Omnitrix. It's like a watch device that allows him to originally, I believe he had to touch it and then he could create, go through like a little uh, Rolodex of alien forms and then he would be able to transform into whichever one fit the moment. A little bit later on, he upgraded that. So all he has to do is speak an alien's name or think about the alien and he can transform at will. In fact, you can actually actually string together a combo maneuver set transforming like hitting somebody transforming to another form doing another kind of a hit transforming again getting another kind of hit him like something out of marvel versus capcom 3 yeah he, it's a quick change effect that he's used uh, echo echo spider monkey jet ray and humongousaur all to get together for one giant powerful attack so when you're fighting ben 10 it's not like he's fighting one form and then you fight that for a little while and then you're done he's changing at will between forms because that's just the kind of thing that he can do but let's talk about uh, a few of these different forms uh one of his most popular your go-tos uh, early on in his career was called Forearms, which is a character that's, I believe, big and red and looks like Goro for Mortal Kombat with the giant forearms. What are the odds? His name is Forearms. Incredibly strong, incredibly durable, could take a lot of hits, and it takes him on in hand-to-hand combat, and he could even do the Hulk's thunderclap ability, which sends shockwaves by clapping his hands together, and, and he can he can slam his feet down, and he can create powerful shockwaves and earthquake-type uh, interactions that way as well. Very powerful. Like you're starting with a four-armed Hulk. That's one of the earlier forms that he gets, right? Other aliens he's transformed into uh, one called Diamond Head. Very, very durable character. He beat the uh, arch enemy Vilgax when uh, Humongousaur was uh, stomped by him previously. Diamond Head was able to take out Vilgax, and, and that's using abilities of uh, Crystal Kinesis as well as explosive projectiles. Regeneration, of course, can change his body to uh, uh, kind of have this crystal influence over everything, which I just thought was really, really cool. Also immune to any kind of heat or pressure. Uh, it could survive out in space. Another one is called Way Big, because I love these names. 
names. They really put a lot of thought into them. So you can also create one because this is a planet level character, a planet destroyer. I'm starting in point number one because this is who Ben 10 is. A planet destroying, way big, who can uh, uh, shoot out cosmic rays, once again survive in space, massive strength, massive durability, can fly. And he's just essentially a world shattering character, can block planetary level attacks. And then the last one I thought was interesting is one called Feedback. And he can absorb energy. He's an energy absorber. So if Deku tries some of this uh, quirk stuff, I don't know exactly how quirks work, but if there's any kind of key energy or anything like a lot of other animes that I've seen, this is a character, a feedback alien that can uh, absorb energy at a distance and then redirect it back at them. So if there's any kind of an energy manipulation happening with Deku, boy, oh boy, this feedback form. And remember, Ben is very, very smart. We'll pick the form he needs in the moment and change it will, he's going to come up with an answer for what Deku's going to bring to the table. And that's just my point number one. All right, listen, Ben 10's fantastic. I, I kind of feel sentimental with him because when my first son was born, or, you know, for a moment, I, yeah, when my first son was born, I stayed up a lot, you know, watched reruns of Ben 10, and then when he got a little, we, that was our first cartoon that we watched together, which would kind of be like the first of many. So Ben 10 is fantastic. One of the things I remember about Ben 10 is that sometimes there was be, there'd be a little confusion. He'd think about a character or an alien he wanted to use, slap that Omnitrix, and he'd turn into a completely different one. So there were some confusions control issues, at least at the very beginning. Uh, on top of that, the other thing about the aliens is that every one of the, alien, the, of the aliens he uses, they all have great powers, or at least one great power, but they all have weaknesses as well. I'll get into that later. That, however, that weakness has often been used against a lot of these people. Like one of those aliens that can move at super speed, uh, if that surface is too slick, he's not able to use that speed or he's going to slip or what have you. So every alien he transforms into has a weakness as well, and they're not super hard to figure out all the time. Finally, in terms of energy attacks, that's not really something he does is blast with energy. He actually internalizes energy and turns it into like kinetic force. So I'm not really seeing how he's going to be able to kind of rob that internal energy that Deku can use. But again, Ben 10, awesome, great. Let me kind of juxtapose all of that with my point number one and talk about the initial powers that Deku has. So I mentioned this at the beginning of the show. Deku comes from a world where 80% of the people in that on that planet have a power of some sort. And that power is referred to as a quirk. But instead of just one quirk, Deku has seven. And by the way, one of those quirks makes him into a Superman-like character. That's where he starts off. So he's got my favorite one of all. It's called One for All. And this quirk has the ability to increase the user's physical capabilities to really, no, all joking aside, Superman levels. This is what All Might uses, the quirk. So Deku rarely goes to 100% because there's a big toll in his body. He's learning how to do it. But even at 5, 10, 15, 20, 30%, and he can go to 100% when he needs it, this guy is insanely, insanely powerful. So One for All gives Deku super strength. He can destroy a kaiju-sized robot with one punch. That was really the first time he ever really used his power. Uh, in fact, just the swing of a super uppercut creates such winds that it could destroy. He was in a building. It destroyed, it went upwards so powerfully, it destroyed all of the floors and the building itself going all the way up. It is that powerful, just the blast of wind from an uppercut. He's got super durability. Look, he can take ungodly levels of punishment and keep on going. He's got super speed where he can move faster than bullets. Not just dodging, by the way. He can actually move faster than them. Keep in mind, a bullet travels at about 2,600 feet per second. He's got super agility. He can jump super far, super high. And of course, he's got super reflexes where you move it super fast when it needs to. Again, 
the levels of all these depends on what percentage he's calling upon at that time, but he can really go up and down as he needs to. But there's a whole lot more. So when he took on that all-for-one power, he all that all-for-one's been passed down from one person to the next. And remember, these people that had it also had an individual quirk to start off with before they got that one-for-all. Now, all those powers got passed down through the users down to Deku as well. So he's got a power called Fajin, which uh, this helps Deku kind of build up and store kinetic energy, kind of like a vibranium, if you will. And then he can add that kinetic energy to his own physical being and then shoot it out, you know, through punches, through whatever types of attacks he does. So the harder he gets hit, the more he can store up and hit back. He's got a danger, danger sense, which really just acts like Spider-Man's spider sense. That's what he's got as well. He's got something called a black whip, which allows Deku to use streams of black energy in order to... These are like solids, though, and they grab objects, capture enemies. It's kind of a cross between Spider-Man's webs and Doc Ock's mechanical arms. Again, super powerful, super fast, super strong. He's got the smoke screen. It's exactly what you think it is. It's a smoke screen that helps him kind of get in and out of people that can't see him. And he's got this power called float, which helps him float in the air but when he uses it with his uh, all for one uh, or one for all she's uh, the all might power what he can do is push himself back and forth so now he uses that in combination to help it with his other powers he can actually fly somewhat which is really interesting so Ben 10 also has incredible all these great abilities just like uh, Deku does but the real difference between the two is that Deku is a physical specimen he had to get trained by All Might just to get into the uh, UA Academy and then from there UA Academy then takes it to the next level so this is someone who is training super hard has is a great fighter and that's without even tapping into his powers put all that together and he's just on a little bit of a different level than Ben 10 that's my point number 1 Okay, you're making some interesting points right there, and there's a lot I need to learn still about My Hero Academia, but a few of the things that I learned from researching the character is, well, he loses a lot of fights. Deku gets his butt handed to him a whole heck of a lot, including against a character named Shoto Toradoki, and uh, uh, they were fighting in a tournament-style matchup together, and uh, actually Deku was basically like, I think you're a better fighter than you let on. I want you to come at me with all your force. He actually talked up his opponent, and his opponent kicked the bejesus out of him and won that fight in that tournament. Also, he had two fights against a character named Gran Torino, which I just assumed was Clint Eastwood shouting, get off my lawn. Turns <laughs> <laughs> out he's an old master uh, trainer kind of a guy and he and he, he beat the absolute snot out of Deku who then trained him up he got really really powerful they got the rematch and then he beat up Deku again so Deku's a guy who does get his lunch handed to him and you talk about oh he can fly now and like every one of these Ben 10 transformations can fly so not a big deal and Deku physical specimen that's great I just described that uh, I'm basically Goro as one of my basic forms I'm Goro from Mortal Kombat I don't care how many chin-ups you can do Goro is on a whole other level all all fair points, all fair points, and everything you're describing happened at the beginning of Deku's career, so I can't see anything against it. It's just that he seems to have grown quite a bit from that. All right, Robert Clark Chan, you've heard point number one from Ray, you've heard point number one from me. Where's your head at with this battle so far? It sounds like there's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, learning your skills and whatnot here, but when just laying out the powers, the alien powers, you know, strong crystal kinesis planet destroyer that moves the needle a little bit but the uh one for all power you know i mean you start talking superman and obviously all of these sort of superman characters are based on superman and so we're you know gonna go from that level roughly and like this round one is 
Hands down, going to Deku. Really? Uh, Power-wise, skills, like, obviously the skills might uh, uh, play into it, but if you're just looking at power versus power, it sounds like Deku has the upper limit much further away than Ben 10. Interesting read on this battle so far. I got plenty to say about that. Ooh, okay. All right, Ray's fired up. Ray, let's hear what you got with your point number two. Point number two for Ben 10. I just want to bring up a few more of his forms because he gets absolutely ridiculous with some of these alien forms. So here's three more to throw at you that really stuck out to me. One called Big Chill. Big Chill is essentially, he has a frost freezing type power, like a Sub-Zero kind of a character, except he can also go intangible like Vision. So his big move is to go completely intangible where you cannot hit him. And Deku, I didn't hear energy attacks because James, you know, I, I set a trap right there. So the energy attacks aren't there. These are physical attacks. If you can go intangible and his move is to go inside of his opponent or through his opponent and freeze his insides as he's going through him. And you just said Deku is a very, very physical type of character. So uh, big chill, cryokinesis. He's got a breath, like the cold breath like Superman has. He can uh, generate ice like Iceman has. I wish that would make him an Omega-level mutant, but it doesn't. But his whole deal (laughs) is that he's got the powers of Vision and the powers of Sub-Zero with a few others thrown in there. Absolutely outrageous. He's just going to go through Ben 10, freeze him, and we're done. But we're not done. Clockwork is another one that really stuck out because anytime I can bring a Time Lord onto the table, I'm going to do it. Clockwork has a time uh, stopping, time altering power around him. We like to call it chronokinesis, uh, chronoportation, uh, a very, very strong character as well. So what do you do against somebody who can stop time and then walk up and tweak your nose and then walk up and punch you 5,000 times? There's not a lot I know about Deku that allows him to be on the level of somebody who can stop time and somebody who can go vision and freeze your insides while he's going through you. These are just two things I don't think he possibly has an answer for. And the last form of for this point is called atomics and atomics is one of the again they, i'm going to keep ramping it up because atomics is one of the strongest characters called i believe the one of the maybe at the time the second strongest alien that they had come across at that time because he has nuclear capabilities he has nuclear bomb powers he can shoot out atomic blasts radiation uh, it's called nucleokinesis i don't even know what that means but i wrote it down because it sounds really really nasty he can generate massive levels of heat and light and fusion energy and of course every single one of these characters that i mentioned can fly uh, or at least two of them. i don't know if chrono i don't know if clockwork can but big chill and atomics both can fly and they all have big strength big durability big agility big speed big endurance Look, every single one of these characters is an absolute nightmare to face. And bless Deku, he lost to Clint Eastwood in Gran Torino. And that is a loss that I think should knock anyone down a peg, but especially when it happens (laughs) twice. The sheer answer here is Ben 10 is just too good with his powers at this point. He moves too fast. And imagine him going between these. He stops time as clockwork and then zips through with the big chill power, freezing his entire insides, comes out of it. (laughs) Deku's an icicle that he goes one shot, just like Sub-Zero's fatality, and knocks him into a million pieces. Deku, quite frankly, has no chance in this battle. 
And that's my point number two. So I love these. I love the uh, aliens that he can go into. And yeah, you're right. He can ramp it up. But the problem is he often doesn't because especially with that nuclear bomb powered character, he doesn't want to use it irresponsibly in case someone's going to get hurt. An innocent bystander gets killed. That's something that I don't see coming into this because there will be other people around. It's, it's a power. You know, Ben Ten's many things. He's a very noble character, too. Very virtuous. He would want he would never take a chance on someone else getting hurt. So I don't see that. That kind of power coming in. Now, a couple of things you mentioned. So one of the things about Ben 10 that was interesting, and again, remember I said there's weaknesses that every character has. One of Ben 10's limitations, better way of saying it, is that he can only stay in alien form for 10 minutes. Now, that means he can start off with alien A, go to alien B, alien C. So he either stays in one form or switches over, whatever that is. It's 10 minutes, and then it takes a while for him to re-up again and to be able to do it again. So it's a 10-minute markup. That could be a big uh, limitation. Speaking of characters that go intangible, Deku, and I'm going to get into my point number two, he's friends with someone who can actually go intangible, sink into the ground, go through people, do all that kind of stuff. He studies people. He's friends with them. He's trained with them. He's very familiar with people who can go intangible and what they can do and the variations they can pull off. And finally, you know, Deku's been frozen and mobilized before in different forms, whether it's cold or whatever it is, he's gotten out of it because he can tap into something, which again, I'll get into my point number two. So all good stuff with Ben 10, but for my point number two, I got to talk about tactics. And here's the thing. Deku is a fighting and tactical genius. And this ties in the fact that he's the ultimate fanboy when it comes to superheroes in his world. So the deal is this. Deku, ever since he was a little kid, he would study every stat, every experience, everything that happened with a superhero or supervillain. He knew quirks of every every character, what they did, how they used them, the variations. And he knew all that just because he was an insane fan, the same way people do it with baseball, football, MMA, whatever you've got. And he used that for superheroes and supervillains. And then as he got into the UA Academy, he started figuring out how to take those notes, that same fanboy passion, and break down a character, see what they could do, understand their powers, and figure out a weakness or at least a strategy around that. He's done that to overcome insanely powerful people in his world. Uh, and by the way, this is something he does in almost every encounter with a supervillain or even a training exercise he's going through. He's that much of a detail-taking type of person. It's this research, it's this analysis, I guess is the right way to put it, that makes Deku overcome superpowered villains, which he really has no business being able to do. So the best example of this, there was something called the UA Sports Festival Obstacle Race. It was an obstacle race where superpowered you know, people at the UA Academy had to get through, and they're like, you've got to use your powers to tap into it. So Deku is racing through superhuman obstacles. He can't use his powers because at this point, he's just got all for one, and he's like, I don't know how to control this that well. I don't want anyone else getting hurt. It wrecks my body a little bit. Remember, this is the beginning of his career. So he won the race by using tactics and strategy and beat everybody, Todoroki, Baku, all these people who were like number one seeds, whatever to win. He beat them all just using strategy, not even using his powers. Now let's talk about his actual training. So as I mentioned before, Deku's in great shape physically, plus he's learning how to fight all the time at a master's level. On top of all this, Deku is in serious training to become a pro hero. So in this world, being a superhero is actually a profession where you can get paid a lot of money. So people want this job. So literally every day, Deku is training, he's getting education, getting experience, interacting with other well-established superheroes in order to become a better hero himself. And the craziest part about this 
is that Deku is constantly being pushed in his training. He's pushed to take on bigger and more dangerous tasks. He's pushed to get in the real world and take on really dangerous supervillains, which is kind of irresponsible, but that's what they do. And he's pushed to figure out every single way he can use his powers in every combination, almost like he's learning a martial arts style. It's actually really cool. So whether it's a simulation, assignment, whatever it is, he's got to figure out the best way to take on a villain or a challenge or best way to use his powers in you know with someone, whatever it is. He's always trying to figure out the best way to do it. He's learning not just how to use his powers, but how to fight with his powers and how to overcome with his powers. Compare that to Ben 10. Again, I love Ben 10, who I think he got some training from his grandfather and maybe a couple of people, but even then, it's really a fraction of the training Deku's got and is still receiving. And if that wasn't enough, Deku is getting continuously trained by All Might, the master of masters when it comes to the powers he has. This is crazy. And finally, Deku has a costume that enhances his powers. So after deciding to make his fighting style more kick-based, because he can kick harder than he can punch, he got some modifications to his costume. He's got arm braces to shield his arms, upgraded gloves that focus the wind pressure from Deku's attacks into long-range blasts. He's got an iron boot soles to increase the powers of kicks look you got tactics that are in match training that is unparalleled a costume that further enhances his powers and fighting ability these are all things that ben 10 just does not have an answer for that's my point number two you are actually going to sit here and tell me that ben 10 doesn't have an answer for let me look it up kicking he doesn't have an answer for kicking. This is a guy who fights alien monsters with a host and array of ridiculous powers. And you're saying, well, Deku can kick real hard. And I don't see how Ben 10 has it. I believe in the pantheon of enemies that Ben 10 has faced. Someone has come at him with, I'll look it up again, a kicking attack, James. Shame on you. Shame on you for that. Now, you said in your own point, Deku has no business winning a bunch of these fights. Exactly. Exactly. He's the, he's the central character of an anime show that has to have him come out on top. But we're talking about a neutral field between these two characters where he doesn't have his writers getting him out of every tough spot. <laughs> ben 10 will overwhelm him in that situation. And one question I have for you, when we did the All Might versus Doomsday battle, great listen, go check it out if you're at home. All Might was limited by the amount of time and power that he had in, in order to fight before he sort of reverted back to a normal form. Uh, and I honestly don't know the answer to this. Is that a thing Deku has to deal with as well, being that he has the same quirk as All Might? Okay, so that's a great question. The answer is no, because All Might had an injury. And that injury that he got fighting a, a powerful opponent that kind of matched his power forced him to only be able to be in his All Might form for a short period of time. Because Deku doesn't have that same injury, he doesn't have that same limitation. I was kind of hoping you would say yes to that so I could feel really <laughs> smart about myself, but that's fine. The grand point of this entire counterpoint is James argued that Ben 10 doesn't know what kicking is. Shame on you, James. <laughs> I Again, there's reasons why I say what I say, but this is going to be a fun... Uh, I, I'm loving this battle, by the way. I'm absolutely loving this battle. Okay, we're at the turning point. Robert Clark Chan, this is where you need to tell us who you think is ahead and what the other side has to do to pull out a victory. As a longtime devotee of that series, Kick Puncher, the superhero <laughs> whose punches have the power of kicks, um, I gotta say, I mean, kicks are pretty powerful. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stand around and say that they're not. I do feel like your response, James, to Ray's round, uh, you're talking about how he doesn't want to use his powers irresponsibly. 
but we are in a who would win battle. It's got to be on a neutral ground. We want to see these people at the height of their powers. So whatever, uh, wherever this takes place, it's going to take place somewhere where he doesn't have to worry about that. Uh, mm. We're not going to uh, be uh, concerning ourselves with innocent lives all around. Maybe it's on the moon. I don't know. Maybe it's in uh, Detroit. There's nothing worthwhile in Detroit. Oh, uh, we could just destroy the entire city. Too so, late, Chan. <laughs> what it comes down to, I think, in this round, these these powers, the the in, powers of intangibility, the chronokinesis, the nucleokinesis, any any two of those could I, I I feel like be a serious match for Deku. Yeah, I I definitely have to see this round two going to Ben Ten. So it's you know it's kind of evened up right now, and uh, I, mm. I hate to be you know that guy like ugh. So it's, it's a tie going into the final thing, but it's a <laughs> it's a tie going into the final thing. So I, Chad, I feel like I should be light years ahead of James right now. What do I need to tell you in point number three to make you hear it? Uh, you know, if you can time lord around, I, I don't hear uh deku having a, a response for that but he is real smart and uh the tactical genius thing is playing real strong so i gotta i gotta hear where ben 10's strategy is at i need to hear where uh his brain is at because i'm hearing brains and brawn from deku and i'm hearing a lot of brawn from ben 10 i'm not hearing those brains yet all right that's easy that's easy i got this all right ray You sound confident, but let's see if you can pull it off. Hit us with your point number three. Point number three. Now, one of the things that James Gavsey likes to say, he said earlier in this this debate, he said, well, you're talking about the early version of the character. Well, obviously, the character I'm repping is the much later version of the character. So let me introduce you to a character named Ben 10,000. Ben 10,000 is a future version of Ben 10 at the age of 30 instead of a much younger age. What is he, 10 years old? Maybe that's a little bit too easy. But he's the 30-year-old version of Ben 10 that we experience in the TV show. And this guy can transform into any of his aliens uh, at will. He says, I had 10,000 aliens uh, easily reachable, and that's just when I stopped counting. He's unlocked something called the Master Control. He's transformed the Omnitrix, giving him control, access to just an absolute ridiculous amount of aliens. And this version of Ben 10, Ben 10,000, is a tactical genius. If you have 10,000 aliens and you could pull any of them at will, and you've done all the things and fought all the creatures that he has, this is the tactical reason that I say no problem whatsoever. He's going to have whatever pull he needs at a moment's notice from moment to moment to create these hyper combos, and he's absolutely going to destroy Deku. Good. Ben 10,000, he's mastered, mastered his alien forms. He's capable of using their powers to the highest potential possible of each of those forms. Years of practice, and he's also infused them with nanotech. We got nanotech in here making, this is like Jason X stuff we're talking now. Nanotechnology (laughs) used. Ben 10,000 enhanced his creations, which allows him, uh, in the Ben 10,000 episode, he had a a Kinoceleron uh, is an alien, and XLR8s is what it was called, and it's a speed. It's a flash type of creature, which is why I bring it up. And, and this particular character was capable of going, I believe it was 500 miles in two seconds. You know what that allows Ben 10 to do? The infinite mass 
punch. I've been waiting three plus seasons to drag out the infinite mass punch. This is the day I finally drop it. Deku can't do that move. But Ben 10 can as this particular alien, and I'm gonna be not I'm gonna go not go to sleep tonight if I don't bring up his most powerful form, Alien X. Everybody at home tell me you gotta bring up Alien X. I'm getting Alien X, Alien X. Look, Alien X is an absolutely ridiculous character. This is Mewtwo. If you remember the Ultron versus Ash Ketchum episode, Alien X, to me at least, is Mewtwo. It's one of the most powerful beings in his entire universe. He's omnipotent, he can warp reality, of course stop time he can maneuver space he's like thanos with the infinity gauntlet and he can do it easily he doesn't have to even snap or think about it his thoughts just become real he's invulnerable can again said before immortal reality warper regeneration time manipulation telekinesis can create multiples of himself and fight you like that so look alien x is nothing that My Hero Academia even has scratches the surface of. This is a character that combines the best traits of Mewtwo and Thanos with the Infinity Gauntlet, the Alien X creature that Ben 10 has access to is way more than anything Deku will ever have an answer for as seen by the sheer number of times he's been defeated by considerably less powerful characters even in later seasons. I'm sorry, Deku. It was nice having you on the show, but I just Deku'd you to the moon. And that's my point number three. <laughs> Usually when you deck someone, they fall down. They don't, like, fly up. But, you know, it's all good. Ray, he- here's the thing. You said Ben 10,000. That's a different character than Ben 10. I mean, there's a number of reasons why I can say that. But the real reason for that is because I remember a number of episodes where Ben 10 appears alongside Ben 10,000. So you got to ask yourself, are you using Ben 10,000, Ben 10, you're using Ben 10, Ben 10,000 again is not a common character used very rarely in the show. And now, that's clearly minute, not Ben 10. Hold that thought, James, because when we did Invincible versus Carnage, you argued yep. that the literal final panel of the final Invincible comic set X number of decades in the future was somehow the version that you were using of Invincible. Why can't Ben 10,000 be the Ben 10? It's the same person. Ray, I've got an answer for that. Here's the thing. Ben 10,000 is a possible future. It's actually stated that within the show. It's a possible future outcome. It's not actually set in stone. This is not a real thing. Invi- like possibly it could be wrong. Invincible, the one I stated before, that's actually the same storyline. It's the same continuity. It is the same character. Not the case for Ben 10,000. Now for Alien X, I love Alien X because I believe one of the voices for Alien X was Kevin Conroy. Batman, of course. You gotta love Kevin Conroy because he's just amazing. A national treasure, if you will. However, Ben 10 has stated that he does not like do going to Alien X for two reasons. Number one, it takes three personalities, he's one of them, just to get Alien X to do anything. I'm talking about move over there, do this, hey, save me from this, go into action. It takes forever to convince them if he even can. And more importantly, he rarely goes into that character because one small mistake, and again, everything gets wrecked because he is that powerful, you know, timelines, reality, whatever, and that affects everybody. So Ben 10 rarely uses Alien X, uh, and and you'll see why I want to get into my point number three. Now, all of this is great, but, you know, you got to research Deku to kind of understand the character a lot more. 
So let me get to my point number three. Let's talk about some big wins, willpower, and one particular fight for Ben 10, which will clarify everything. So Deku's fought against a lot of different opponents with powers that I'm not even sure how the writers of My Hero Academia came up with, but he does have some wins against some really cool opponents. So the reason he got these wins wasn't just because of his power, but because of his willpower. And let me go into this. When it comes to fighting, Deku, I'm going to make a really weird statement. He may have willpower that matches that of Goku. I'm not even kidding. You'll see why. So a number of times we've seen Deku, he's severely injured, seemingly outmatched or even on the brink of sure defeat. But that's when he digs deep. He pulls a James Gavsey, despite being stabbed with large spikes through his arms and legs or being completely battered or facing what looks like an opponent who can absolutely wreck him or kill him, Deku pulls himself together. In fact, his willpower is so strong that he was able to snap himself out of the ultimate mind control quirk a character named Hitoshi had over him. And this is a power that Hitoshi uses, his mind control, that can control everyone. Willpower alone kept Deku going and snapped him out of this thing, and he beat Hitoshi in that fight. So in other fights where he's facing someone way more powerful, as I mentioned before, he uses that willpower to not just stay into it, but this increases his power many times over. Why? Because he's the ultimate hero, and in his world, in his definition, heroes don't fail. So the theme of the most powerful and best heroes of My Hero Academia is a really cool concept. It's called Plus Ultra, which just means go beyond your limits. So just uh, if you think I'm at 100% power, they'll say Plus Ultra, tap into it, and they go above and beyond. So let's talk about some of the big wins for Deku. He beat a character named Muscular. You'll never guess. It's a character who's insanely muscular. So his quirk allows him to augment his power because he then takes super-powered muscles that grow that are under skin, and he puts it over his skin. So you see all the muscles above him he gets like bane like massive he's way more powerful than what you can see and deku beat him by going beyond his limits now he thought that was 100 percent of his power so it was just the power of his all might he went beyond that to tap into it and absolutely destroyed this character uh and by the way he used to care a, a technique called the detroit smash because you know race to canes you gotta love deku you know whenever someone cites detroit it's a good thing. All right, he beat a character named Overhaul. Now, Overhaul's core grants him the ability to disassemble anything he touches, as well as reassemble it in any configuration he wants. And this gives him full control over matter. He can disassemble people to kill them and even copy their quirks and implement them to make him even stronger. It's like a character named Vilgax that Ben 10 had to take on in the earlier seasons. This is someone that was destroying all the other heroes, taking out powerful heroes, destroying the city. And Ben 10 had to, you know, tap into his willpower, go plus ultra, take him out as well. Now, speaking about kicking Race to Canis, there's one really cool matchup between Ben 10 and another character that really shows how Deku would fight him. So there was an older series called Generator Rex, which I loved. And it was created by the same character, you know, same people who created Ben 10. So there was a crossover event. They lived in, you know, parallel dimensions and Ben 10 generatics meet. And just like most cartoons and, you know, the Avengers, they fight because they just don't know what the heck's going on. So as they're fighting generator uh, Rex can turn his arms into like powerful robotic, massive arms and he can hit super hard and he's punching him. He can create these gliders and like, you know, hovering things so he can fly. And he creates these massive legs. And as he's fighting Ben 10 and Ben 10 is going from one character to another alien, alien, Generator Rex fights him and actually beats him by using a kick. His last technique, I believe, was a kick, took him down, and the character who was like a tiger type of alien who talked like uh, Macho Man Savage 
on the ground, out. And of course, he stood over him. And that was kind of like a good win for Generator Rex. The reason why that's important is because that was the same style Deku would use, except nowhere near the power that Deku would have at his disposal. So in a fight where Ben 10 took on a character who used the same fighting kind of techniques and style and methodologies as Deku, but just way less powerful, he lost and got the short on the stick with that one. When Deku comes in, takes him on, and then goes plus ultra with his training, with his fanboy knowledge of how powers work, with his understanding of how to create a strategy with the world, knowing that he can't fail it because he's the ultimate symbol of peace. That's why Deku beats Ben 10. That's my point number three. Oh, I got a lot to add here. Can you talk about this plus ultra? And all I can think about is, isn't that a brand of cigarettes? What's next? He's going to hit him with the Marlboro Stomp. What's he going to do? He's going to hit him with the Winston-Salem uppercut. I don't understand the writing on My Hero Academia. <laughs> I believe that's At the Gillette, end of the, the day, and this in this particular Generator Rex, that's a crossover event, of course, should be given a heck of a lot less weight. But even you said it. Ben 10 was some sort of tiger guy. He wasn't Alien X. He wasn't any of these super powerful forms that I'm actually talking about. You're talking about early, early forms, tiny, basic forms. They basically gave a layup to their sideshow that was less popular. Let's keep it real. They wanted to throw a bone to Generator Rex, and that is fine. That is their business, not mine. You bring up the city of Detroit. Look, I'm a Detroit guy. I'm excited for our, my Detroit Lions quarterback in the Super Bowl this week. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'm not welcome back in Detroit after losing with RoboCop twice on this show. It still hurts me. James, your words hurt me. And you talked about, oh, Deco beat a guy who could put muscles on the outside of his body. I am talking about a guy who combines Thanos with the Infinity Gauntlet with Mewtwo from Pokemon. These are two different levels, James Gavsey. And shame on you for trying to conflate him. This thing is over. Ben 10,000 with the win. Chan, crown me. Robert Clark Chan. You've heard three points from Ray Sicanus. You've heard three points from me. Now it's time for you. I've also heard you. the demand to crown Ray. So I'm factoring that in too. Yeah, I yeah, I mean, Chan, just leave my crown in our Super Bowl suite when I get there. I'll find it and I'll wear it on all twenty-four of the seats. Wait a minute, our? Do you mean? Are you inviting me to the Super Bowl? No, no, I'm inviting you to show up, leave the crown, and then leave. <laughs> can Can Robert have some food before he goes? I'll give you a couple of buffalo. I'll give you a couple buffalo wings. Uh, I'm, I'm nice. merciful and giving. <laughs> this sounds like a bargain. Thank you. Ray, if you got 24 seats, do you have 24 friends you can invite? I told you, James, all 24 are me. That's what I figured. All right, Robert Clark Chan, you've heard three points from Ray. You've heard three points from me. Now it's time for you to take us through your process. Tell us a story. Take us on a journey and tell us who wins this battle between Ben 10 and Deku. Dear God, it's <laughs> Ray, Ray is miming putting a crown on his head and I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I can take this. Uh, first off, there's no, there's no uh, Ben Ten Thousand in this. Also, like what I know what Thirty looks like, and it is not being all powerful. Thirty was a terrible <laughs> year, and even if uh, uh, James hadn't made a good point to disallow it, I wouldn't have let that fly anyway. Your infinite mass punch, sir, two hundred and fifty miles per second versus the speed of light, which is 186,000 miles per second, means you're not even getting close to the speed of light, infinite mass <laughs> on that. So not not playing. However, James trying to push a weakness to kicks. No, no, that's 
absurd. All uh, beings are weak to kicks, so that's not that's not anything uh, special. Uh, really, I, I think what it comes down to is um, in round two, Ray brought up some serious powers that James didn't really account for. That time locking and uh, the intangibility. Uh, sure, he's trained with some intangible people, but I didn't hear how he would actually uh, stop that attack. On the other hand, what we know about the anime world is that fanboys are supreme. If there is a fanboy character, he is obviously the smartest, most attractive person in the room. It's, it's one of the delightful things about anime and their uh, you know, fantasy creations and whatnot. But, I mean, if you're talking about a character... He's, yeah, phenomenally intelligent, uh, especially as it relates to this, you know, fighting uh, superpower thing. And what it comes down to, uh, I think, is that that, uh, that Bushido, that uh, Japanese uh, concept of that is deeply ingrained, that it's it, it's all about just like getting back up and, and taking another hit. And when you're putting... Uh, anime, the OG anime style against the pseudo anime American style w that is, you know, like kind of aping the original cultural icons. It's, uh, it's, it, it falls a little short. I feel like Deku does indeed have that willpower. And when it comes down to these uh, powers, you know, if he's, if he's able to break a mind control, I think he would be able to break a time control. I think that uh, their powers being kind of close to each other and putting them at a level that is roughly contiguous with the series that they're in. We're not going to see Deku from 20 years from now, who's, you know, had all of this experience. We're not going to see Ben 10,000. The Alien X sounds like it's too much trouble to get together in any, you know, coherent way if you're trying to deal with two other people telling you no. So, you know, if, you, if it's power versus power, it seems pretty close. What it comes down to is who's going to be the one to get back up and deliver that final Orange Cassidy kick. And 100%, that's Deku. Deku is just going to deliver that teeny tiny kick to the shin and, and Ben Ten's going down. Deku wins. Unbelievable. I won a fight. This is insane. I am so happy. The losing streak has been broken. The world's in a great place. More importantly, Ray, well done today. But um, how do you feel right now with uh, this loss? Yeah, I say unbelievable is the word because nobody at home can believe what just happened. I presented a better <laughs> character with a superior argument. And, uh, okay, the judge thinks I overstepped a little bit of my third point and make some points that were easily discounted. Some would say that's a tactical error. I say it's atrocious judging. Robert Clark Chan, I am ashamed of you right now. You see what I'm doing right now, Ray? Uh, I'm putting the crown on on James's head. That's what's Feels that's nice. what's happening in my hands around this crown. And boop, there it goes on James. Looks good on him. A crown. Thank him. you. That's Thank how you. that goes. I have double <laughs> the victories of James Gabsy this season. Even after today, I'm still wearing the crown and holding the scepter. <laughs> okay. 
to our to our legion of audience, listen, we have a new segment available only to our patrons. Go to patreon.com slash who would win show. It's called the third degree. We're going to continue this discussion. Ray gets to ask, or the winner of the, the loser of the battle, in this case, Ray, gets to ask one pointed question to the judge to really see where their head is at with this battle. Ray, um, I'm going to be very interested in what you have to say to Robert Clark Chan, uh, especially because you guys have a history. And uh, let's see some lines are crossed. Ray, by the way, you did great today. And I think you pulled out the big guns, but I think you did go a little too big too far. I've learned that the hard way, too. How hard are you going to go for that win next time? I go for the win as hard as possible every single time, and I will not let this little bump in the road, this little speed bump on the way to get to my house be something that I will not continuously fly over at 90 miles per hour, just like I do the speed bump on the way to my house. Tangent, I need new shocks for my car. That's fair. All right, listen, Robert Clark Chan, great job today. Uh, you always bring it. There's a reason why you're a fan favorite. The Legion of Audience loves you. Keep being Robert Clark Chan. Keep crowning me as well. That that felt great. And uh, tell the Legion of Audience where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at 999 RPMs. We've got a podcast called Knowing is Half the Podcast. You can find that wherever podcasts are sold. Knowing is Half the Podcast, not Knowing is Half the Battle podcast. That's a different podcast. And A.E. Doubleback is another podcast in the same place, in the same locale, in the same earballs that you, you, you use for the other podcasts. Love it. Race to Canis, you brought it in a big way today. Came up just a little bit short, but you definitely had me on the ropes. Great job yet again. Tell our listeners where they can find you. I'm a little bit, you know, I feel good about myself in general on most days. I still feel great about myself right now, knowing that I left that boardroom, not knowing most much of anything at all about Ben 10 and educating myself to the point where I did win this battle and had it stolen from me. Hashtag Ray was robbed. I'm actually in such a good mood. I'm going to read a five-star review because I didn't understand it, or maybe it applies. You tell me this is from HDJ6J. I don't know. It's a bunch of letters who cares uh that it's a five-star review that says please read and it just says hashtag let go ray now i don't know if he meant let's go ray as in he's trying to prop me up or he meant let go ray as in let go of this particular battle even though they had no knowledge of it because this was written a while ago well this was written uh, two weeks ago before this battle had even been conceived but i'm going to agree with you hedgistic I will let it go. Let go, Ray. I'm hashtag let go, Ray. That's absolutely fine. You can find me on Twitter at Almighty Ray. Guys, we're still going to celebrate Victory Friday because all of you saw me win this battle. In fact, anyone who photoshops a crown on my head in this battle with Ben 10 standing next to me, either giving a high five, a handshake. He's got his arm around me like a good, solid friend would. Put a crown on me. Put Ben 10 in the picture. I will retweet it at Almighty Ray. Let's celebrate me this week. Hey, if you want a, a victory, honestly, uh, uh, your debating has made me want to go watch Ben 10. I have not watched any Ben 10, and uh, he sounds like an interesting enough character that I will go and watch them now. So, hey, take that moral victory, Ray, because that's all you're going to get. <laughs> That well, I've got to be like moral someone with somewhere. Insane, yeah, that and insane, someone with insane Photoshop skills who are like, hey, I'll take five days to create that. Thing. Actually, that'd be interesting. I'd love to see that. So Legion of Audience, you heard it from Ray. Make that crazy, fun thing. 
Could be a new ad- NFT. Who knows? All right, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gabsy. Hey, remember to join the official Hoodwin Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcast. On behalf of myself, Ray Canis, the Geek and Game community, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win team, thank you once again for listening to another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. Hey gang, I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash show right now. Okay, gotta prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins. Remember crying when Optimus Prime died? Or the days when every series had a ham-fisted anti-drug episode? Or when you wrote fan fiction about how the Animaniacs were so hot in that water tower so they took off all their clothes and they started... No! No, different podcast. This one is Knowing is Half the Podcast, a show devoted to the best and worst animated memories of your childhood. Every week we recap a cartoon from the past to see if they're as good as you remember. They're not. What are you talking about? They're great! You're both wrong! None of them get good until they're in a water tower. No! And Knowing is Half the Podcast. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.